and you're listening to the main event. Yo, that's the bill. Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the main event. I'm your main man, your host, the creator of the podcast, Jermaine Parker. Hey, as always, I want to start off by saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the podcast. Hey, without you, I would actually continue to do the podcast. But hey, I'm glad to have you aboard. Truly, truly, truly. Uh, you can check out the podcast on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, um, basically anywhere where you do your podcast, you get your podcast from. Um, please subscribe, like, share, uh, spread this out if you're enjoying the content. You know, totally free for you, for your entertainment and edification. Um, not a lot of people say they try to do that all in one hour. Try to entertain you, then try to build you up a little bit. Hey, uh, check me out at the website too, www.themaineventpodcast.com. Uh, you can see, uh, past episodes. You can subscribe to make sure that you never miss a new episode and just, uh, generally look around and see what's going on with the podcast and me. Um, uh, this week, uh, I'm still out here in sunny California, uh, still out here, uh, putting in a good fight. For uh, these wildfires and uh, Cali's uh, burning a little bit, we got uh, the Ferguson fire going on uh, towards Yosemite, and uh, we were working a car fire a little bit earlier uh, up towards Whiskey Town, uh, like north of Redden, California. Um, there's some fires going on in Oregon. In fact, they just activated the uh, Air National Guard. They're bringing up some MAFS units. Uh, should be here tomorrow to help out the fight. So, um, let's say hey to those boys and. Uh, can't wait to see you. A lot of good friends in that uh, California unit. Um, you know, I, I did want to say um, I've been uh, I've been a little busy with that. We've been working uh, twelve plus hour days for I, I don't know how long. So uh, Wednesday my day off. Uh, <laughs> I, I really just slept <laughs> and uh, did some laundry today. But again, want to come back get another episode of podcast out. And, uh, this podcast, uh, episode, man, I, I really didn't come into it. Uh, generally right after I record a podcast, I have some ideas about what I want to do for my next podcast. And, um, I really got kind of distracted because I, um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. Uh, the leadership series so much. I decided that I wanted to turn into a book. Not not real long. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be. I, I really just started writing, and I started writing it uh, right after the podcast. I was like, you know, um, there's some good stuff in here, and there's more stuff that I could add on to it and throw in. And I just think it would be, I think it would be pretty awesome to to get that out there. So that's what uh, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going to continue to do until I get that out. And uh, I know there's some. Um, you know, that's the great thing about uh, the world we live in right now as far as uh, technology and stuff. You know, before, the idea would have been I'm writing a book and shopping it around. Now it's like um, I know I can go to Amazon and I can publish there. 
Um, I believe I can publish to um, iBooks. Um, that's where I, I mean, I got an iPad. That's where I, I read my books at and stuff. And so I'm really, really excited about that new venture. Uh, hopefully that's something that I can have out in the next I'm not going to rush it. Um, luckily for me, I wrote a lot of it in trying to write for the podcast. I have a lot of stuff down, but um, getting that focused in, uh, getting it tuned up and making it worth your while to uh, pay for the little bit of extra, the sauce they'll put in there. Um, and, uh, I, you know, again, thanks for the support for people, uh, tuning into the podcast and, uh, listening to that and give me your feedback on that or what you thought of that. So, um, you know, speaking of feedback, um, so I, my website's hosted by WordPress and I actually store my, uh, content on Burberry as a, a media source and, um, because of that, I get that's where I get my download numbers from, and uh, my demographics, if you will, about who's listening to the podcast. And um, I don't know who I know in Maine uh, that's listening to the podcast, but I love you. Uh, <laughs> uh, North Carolina comes in number one for all my stuff on all sites, uh, and that's because, like I say, most people who listen to podcasts know me. And if you're just tuning in, and somebody recommended this, or you saw this uh, from a promoted ad and you say hey i'm gonna check that out hey good on you hope you enjoy go back listen to some of the earlier episodes the quality as you can tell gets better and better uh each episode and we're just trying to do bigger and better things like that but um absolutely uh and enjoy the response to the podcast so i'm i'm just gonna keep going like I said earlier even if you don't tune in there's still gonna be a podcast uh because i feel like this is i got a voice and i and I want to be heard, and I have lots of wonderful conversations. And basically, that's what this is. This is my weekly conversation with you guys, you know, kind of highlight some things uh, that are going on. You know, as I said earlier, I didn't really, really have um, uh, show topics. And uh, it's actually why I'm kind of recording a little bit later because I had to come, you know, kind of figure out what I was going to really put out on the podcast this week. So, you know, I hope you enjoy. Um, I did want to give a shout out to my boy Matt Holmes who is uh, uh working his way into the real to the insurance business. Uh Matt is uh I didn't I wasn't able to get his info uh for phone numbers and uh websites and stuff like that uh for this podcast, but I'm definitely going to uh, uh reach out to him and uh he's going to be my highlight for next week uh along with somebody else probably. Um, cuz uh, I believe in uh and getting a platform for yourself. And if you do get your platform, then, uh, helping other people, uh, with their stuff. So if you, if you got products, if you got stuff that you want to promote, um, it's, it's not, it's not the, uh, about world famous yet, but it's going to happen. So go ahead and, uh, send me those requests and stuff. And, uh, by all means, we can put that on there. And for anybody that's looking and you think to yourself, man, if uh, Jermaine can have a podcast, most definitely I can have a podcast because I got something to talk about. Hit me up. We'll we'll talk. And um, I've learned a lot in the last year from setting up my website to um, being my own sound engineer. And uh, I can probably tell you some quicker, cheaper ways than even I set myself up. And I can uh, go in details to why I did what I did uh, in, in terms of my website and media hosting and 
uh, the equipment that I bought and where I got my information from. So uh, you don't have to particularly um, do it on your own. And that's just if you just want to talk to me. I mean, there's a, I, you can do what I did and look on YouTube. There's tons of videos out there, and, and uh, uh, I'll recommend some to you uh, later on, and you can check those out um, and see what's popping with that. Um, but this week on the podcast, I, I did want to, uh, you know, so much, there's, uh, there's always something to talk about and, um, a big conversation that's been going on this week is about, um, opi- opioids and the drug crisis that's going on, uh, epidemic, if you will, that's going on in America right now. And that was kind of highlighted this week when, um, Demi Lovato, uh, they, uh, they found her overdosed and, um, uh, they had to come in, uh, help her out. And, um, she's 25 years old and she's sober for like six years and just had this recent drug overdose. And they said there were some signs cause it was her last concert, that, um, she was kind of fumbling over the words to her new song and stuff. And I kind of saw a clip of that and, uh, trying to do a little research for the podcast. And I'll be honest with you. I, I know she's a singer. I don't really, and she's a pretty woman. I I don't really know much uh, beyond that, um, because I'm 42 years old and I got an eight nine year old. I'm not listening to. <laughs> I'm not even sure what genre of music that she's in. Um, I'll assume pop. Uh, I'll assume, um, but uh, it, it's just one of those kind of things that um, reemphasizes and puts the spotlight back on what has become a uh, a national problem and how we deal with that as a nation. Um, I, th- I think one of the things that we have to talk about when we talk about drug use and, um, and it's, it's recognized as a uh, behavioral issue. Um, I think you, you'll see that more now uh, medically people recognizing that that addiction problems, whether it be drugs or alcohol, um, there are people who are more predisposed to those kind of things and it becomes an, uh, a, a physical issue. Um, I will say this, and this is just for me. And, and again, you know, this podcast is Jermaine Parker. This is my views and how I, how I see, I'm not representative of any organization or anything. Uh, these are just my views. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I was talking to, um, well, she, she doesn't want to be named on the podcast, but I was, I was talking to a friend of mine and, um, she was telling me that she saw Robin Roberts on the news this morning and he was talking about this very issue. And Robert Robin said, you know, it's a disease and you can't blame people. It's just like, you know, her cancer, if her cancer came back, you wouldn't blame her for a cancer. And so I want to stop Robin real short on that and say, you are out of your fucking mind. If you believe that cancer and addiction are the same kind of things, um, young lady I was talking to this morning, she was upset because she just lost somebody to cancer and that person didn't choose cancer and make no mistake. People choose to do drugs. They do. Now we can say it's a crisis. Um, we can say it's epidemic. We can say whatever, whatever adjective you like to use for it. Um, but at the heart of it, people choose to take drugs. So 
there's a lot of social reasons, economical reasons, psychological reasons that lead people to that choice. But do understand at the end of the day, it is a choice. So that's just my hard line. You know, we work our way up in this discussion. That's my hard line to that is, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sensitive to why, but, um, I, you know, I'm, I've had every opportunity to have to take drugs in my life. I never have. I recognize, um, that, um, addiction. I, I've seen it like a lot of people have seen it in their families. I've seen family members on drugs. I've seen what that does and stuff. Um, I choose not to be a part of that. And, and quite honestly, I just look at my personality. And I said, man, I might have an addictive personality. I'm not sure I could ever pull myself out of that. Not just by my own sheer willpower. I know there's some people and you hear the stories of people who smoke and they're like, man, I just quit one day. I just put a pick and I never picked it up again. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm that dude. I, I think I'm pookie. <laughs> it just be calling me, man. I think, I think I'm pookie. Um, <laughs> And if you don't get the Pookie reference, um, that's from New Jack City. Um, but uh, I, I just don't I don't see myself personally getting clean from that. So I never have. never smoked marijuana. I've never done any kind of drugs and stuff. Um, I'm a complete cornball when it comes to uh, drugs. Um, I was over. Um, I had a cousin in a... Uh, well, I had a couple cousins that sold drugs, but I had uh, this one particular cousin. Um, I hadn't talked to him in a while. My brother had recently uh, seen him and stuff, and he said, like, hey, he's down on XYZ Street. Yeah, I go see him. And so I did, and it was good to see him, catch up with him, loved him to death. And uh, I, I always thought, he's a young cousin, I always thought he was a great guy. Um, and I always kind of wondered where he would be in his life had he not chosen the street life because he was exceptionally bright. And had he um, had some kind of mentorship, um, which is actually um, the tail end of this podcast today is where I'm going to bring it back around um, for my mentorship stuff, talking to young men. But if he had some kind of mentorship and he had chosen um, a different path, where would he be? And I really think he'd have been a moving shaker downtown at the banks. I really do. He was a smart, charismatic guy. And... Um, uh, lightning quick uh intellect uh and just made some bad choices those choices eventually led to him being killed um and so uh you know recipes my little cousin greg kilgo he was a great great i mean and and you know this is all subjective because uh, i'm sure if uh he was one of the people that sold somebody some drugs that uh they overdosed so you might have a different opinion but he was family and people um view things differently when they can humanize and relate to the problem, which actually kind of brings up a, another issue about what's going on today. When we talk about this drug problem stuff, because drugs are not a new problem within our society, not at all. Uh, it's been going on for years, but how we look at our drugs problem, um, is changing. In fact, I got a clip. Uh, this is a uh, uh, professor Ikao Yonke. I think that's how you say his name. Um, Cardozo School of Law. He's a professor there. 
Um, give him a listen, and then let's chat. That Kroger, the Midwestern grocery chain, has decided to make the heroin overdose drug naloxone available without a prescription is a sign of how ominous the current epidemic has grown. Faced with a rising wave of addiction, misery, crime, and death, our nation has linked arms to save souls. Senators and CEOs, Midwestern pharmacies, and even tough-on-crime Republican presidential candidates now speak with moving compassion about the real people crippled by addiction. It wasn't always this way. 30 years ago, America was facing a similar wave of addiction, death, and crime, and the response could not have been more different. Television brought us endless images of thin, black, ravaged bodies, always with desperate, dried lips. We learned the words, crack baby. Back then, when addiction was a black problem, there was no wave of national compassion. Instead, we were warned of super predators, young, faceless black men wearing bandanas and sagging jeans. No matter how far from our lives crack was, we're guilty by association. By the time I was in college in the early 1990s, my short dreadlocks meant older women would cross the street to avoid me. African Americans were cast as pathological. Their plight was evidence of collective moral failure, of welfare mothers and rock-slinging thugs, and a reason to cut off all help. Blacks would just have to pull themselves out of the crack epidemic. Until then, the only answer lay in cordoning off the wreckage with militarized policing. Today, police chiefs facing heroin addiction are responding not by invoking war, but by trying to save lives and get people into rehab. Suddenly, crime is understood as a sign of underlying addiction rather than a scourge to be eradicated. One former narcotics officer said, these are people. They have a purpose in life, and we can't look at it any other way. But he couldn't quite put his finger on just what had changed. His words reflect our collective self-denial. It's hard to describe how bittersweet many African Americans feel witnessing this. Glad to be rid of a failed war on drugs, yes, but also weary and embittered. When the faces of addiction had dark skin, the police didn't see sons and daughters, sisters and brothers. They saw brothers, young thugs to be locked up, not people with a purpose in life. No one laments the violence the crack bomb set off more than African Americans. But how we respond to the crimes accompanying addiction depends on how much we care about those affected. White heroin addicts get overdose treatment, rehabilitation, and reincorporation. Black drug users got jail cells and just say no. It would be perverse to want to go back, and this is not just about racial guilt. The hope is that we really can learn from our meanest moments. This stark moment gives us the opportunity to quit our dedication to ignoring racism. Next time we, or even you, are faced with an indictment of institutionalized racism, maybe we can swallow the knee-jerk dismissal or the condescending finger-wagging and imagine if you would accept such treatment of your own. We don't have to wait until a problem has a white face to answer with humanity. So when I listened to uh, Professor Yonka, uh, and I want you to listen to, when we have these epidemics and stuff, we have to understand that while we applaud the way that we are handling it in 2018, and recognizing this epidemic and we're, we're getting treatment and help and resocialization that there are still people from the black community, people of color who sit in jail because of their addiction. 
and you go, well, Jermaine, I mean, okay, maybe. <laughs> I get it. I get a maybe from you. Maybe. But what does that have to do with anything else? Well, actually, it has a lot to do. And, if, you know, I've been thinking about it. You know, I might do a uh, a whole episode or a series that just kind of depends or a super long episode that just kind of depends on how we talk about um, race in America um, to also include conversations uh, about black America, you know, uh, without going too far into that on this episode. You know, I understand that, you know, we, we talk about different things like uh, I hear when we're talking about public perception. And this is what I'm really getting to is public perception about crisis and stuff and being able to shed that stuff, humanize people, um, see people for the individuals that they are, regardless of race. And being able to get to because when you start using those those blinders. Uh, that's when we're not really effective and we're not really having honest conversations about the problems that we face in this country. Are drugs a problem in this country? They are. Uh, But why are they a problem in this country? And when they're a problem, how do we deal with them? You know, we've got to be able to tackle those issues and stuff. So when I look at the outpouring support for... um, uh, Demi, you know, I, I, I think to myself, man, that's not how they felt when Whitney was having a drug problem. Um, it was just one more example of a group of people, a race of people who had institutionalized problems within their race and couldn't get their shit together. And it wasn't looked at on the side of the uh, sociological and the the emotional and all, all the things that, you know, with, the, with depression and the, and the, you know, that's what we hear when we hear, um, uh, white artists, uh, that have these problems and stuff that, that, that deal with the pressure of their jobs and stuff like that. That's not what people said about Daryl strawberry. He just had a problem. He was just a junkie. And I'm telling you, um, you know, I told you I'm I'm writing my own book. Uh, I've been reading some books here lately. You know, so I, I finished up uh, Black Privilege by Charlemagne the God. Um, I just got done. This is for your reading list too. I just got done with uh, D.L. Hughley's uh, How Not to Get Shot and other <laughs> helpful advice uh, from white people. I'm also reading the uh, currently reading the uh, Miseducation of the Negro. Um, That is uh that is by uh Carter G. Uh, Woodson. And um I'm also reading the Millionaire Real Estate Agent, uh by Gary Keller. Um and I'll I'll pull that one into um the self help uh for our young men at the end too. But the the point again is that we have issues and the people that say that they don't see color, you're actually, that's a dog whistle for racism. If you didn't know that that's what black people think when you, when you tell a black person that you don't see color, that absolutely means <laughs> that you are racist and you go, I don't, I don't understand because I don't see color. Well, w- without seeing color, 
you can't acknowledge uh, some of the things that are going on and why they're happening. And if you can't acknowledge why they're happening, when you look around the country and you have uh, Nia Wilson, who was just stabbed and killed um, days ago here in California, coming off the BART system uh, down there uh, near San Francisco, not too far from here, 100, 120 miles from here, uh, from where I am in Sacramento, um, attacked uh, by a uh, by a racist. It was. Um, and if you can't see color, then you don't understand why that's so hurtful. If you can't see color, then you can't understand that when you see the video of her killer uh, being taken in, now, this is somebody who's killed somebody, and the police are just handcuffing them. Just I'm and I'm not advocating that the police beat more people. Uh, it's just that when you look at that, when you look at Dylan Rue, who got to stop by because he was hungry. You know, he just worked up an appetite killing uh, nine black people in the church in Charleston. So he was he was hungry. The police taking him to get something to eat. When you look at um, I can't even think of the guy's name uh, that shot up the movie theater, and he was taking no harm to foul. And then you look at instance of a 12-year-old boy playing with a play gun who, as soon as cops rolled up, um, he was described and he was a grown man. 12 years old, he was a grown man. Took him less than two seconds to get out of the car and shoot him. Between the time he opened up his door and he shot him was less than two seconds. He was playing with a toy gun. Hadn't killed anybody. Yet, time and time again, uh, people of color or inhumanely treated and who hadn't done anything. Um, you know, are guilty of selling cigarettes, <laughs> loose cigarettes, Lucy's, uh, getting choked out. And, you know, Eric Gardner, his, uh, that cop after four years is finally, finally, facing some kind of, he's going to get off. Um, I don't think anybody thinks that there's anything going to happen to him. Uh, he was using a chokehold, a legal chokehold that was against police procedure. Um, it was uncalled for, um, you know, uh, aggression for that arrest. And, you know, it, when, when you say that you don't see color, then you miss it. You go, well, that's just, you know, that's just what happened when you when you don't break the law. And it's kind of I, I encourage you to to read Deal's uh, book if you you've got some confusion about that, because um, yeah, he makes a, a there's a lot of helpful things in there, and I'm not going to spoil the book for you. Uh, please go out and buy it. Um, but uh, he makes a lot of things, and my, my again the point to the drug thing to this uh, is that when you don't see color. You can't see motivation. If you can't see the motivation, you, you're never going to get to the root of why we have these problems, and we're never truly going to address them properly. And I think that's what we should be doing. We should be addressing our problems. I think America is too great of a nation to behave the way that we behave as a nation. And quite frankly, that's why a lot of people... Uh, are embarrassed and it's funny again if you don't see color you don't see how things are taken back and forth um you know uh, that was the famous campaign slogan make america great again 
Well, that implies that it's not great. And it also implies that there was a time that it was really great. And a lot of questions for that and why people have a problem with that um, is that we we go, okay, well, when people come and say that America's not great, we are cast in the light of it's not patri- we're not being patriotic. Um, we're not supporting the country. And we you should be thankful and grateful <laughs> that people came and sold your grandparents uh, and you get to be a part of this experience. You should be grateful for that. And so what if uh, we released, uh, you know, yeah, sure, sure, in the downplayment of slavery uh, is one of those I don't see color things. And I didn't do it. And my uh, my family didn't own slaves, um, which is one of the things that when we talk about these social problems and stuff, um, the biggest killer in the, in is the silent majority. If you look at um, how many people vote for American Idol versus how many vote in presidential or local elections, what happens is is that there's only a small portion of our society actually is vocal about the things that are going on. But there's a large, silent majority out there who's who are non-participators and therefore compliant in the things that are going on. I had a um, I had a colonel told me one time because I said something to him about uh, he was kind of a uniform and he was just he was a Nazi he was he was a uniform Nazi as we like to call him he was very very strict and always calling people out you know you you're not allowed to have your sunglasses on your head uh, you need to have your hat on you need this you know this and this and this and this and I and I and I questioned one day I said Colonel number one I just think it's you know that that's a sergeant's job to be calling people out uh, on that kind of stuff. You know, that's beneath you. He said, and he, and he told me this and I didn't really particularly agree at, at the time, but as I've gotten older I, I, and, uh, and I've moved up uh, in, in, in the military, I, I do understand this to be true. When you are silent, you are compliant. If I see you being, if I see something wrong and I do not correct that, then I am, Silently giving my approval for that. If I see you doing something wrong, if I if I see a man out there abusing a woman, if I see somebody abusing their kids, um, and I don't say anything, then what I'm really saying is it's okay because whatever you're doing doesn't bother me enough to speak up. And the deadliest part is living in that silent majority. You know, if you ever wondered how, you know, and, you know, look, I'll step back and I'll, let's talk about some other people, uh, because uh, when we when we hit in America, we get a little hard. So let's talk about the Germans. Let's talk about Hitler. How did Hitler get to be in power? There was a silent majority who didn't oppose him. Because the things he was saying. They quietly agreed with him. Or it just wasn't big enough deal for them to disagree loudly. Um, and that's where we kind of find ourselves in America is that we have that silent majority out there. And so what I push for is I push for you guys not to be silent, to speak your minds, to ask for these truths, in a, especially in an age where we question everything. And you should. But we also don't owe blind allegiance to everything either. 
that's not America and that's not the way we grow up. You know, when we talk about our government and stuff, you know, what's the purpose of having a government? The government, I think, is to provide security for the nation and to help with the welfare of its citizens. And, you know, even that word welfare, uh, when we talk about our social programs and things that we're not going to do, and we don't have money for this. And, you know, I, I even <laughs> I heard, I heard somebody talking about, you know, you know, uh, we, that there were the, a certain political group that wanted open borders. And I, and, and if you, if you're in that group, you want open borders. And if you're not, if you, you're, you're the other group, then you want closed borders and stronger borders and stuff like that. I think everybody wants stronger borders and stuff. And I heard a young, young man say something about, you know, yeah, they probably want to give, you know, give them money and stuff like that. And I was like, well, they can't because they did a trillion dollar tax cut for the rich. Um, because somebody still believes in, uh, trickle down economics. And so there is no money to give out to anybody else. Um, you know, we, we right now, there's a $12 million bailout, AKA welfare, um, that's on the table for farmers. You know, again, if you look at it with non uh, I don't see color, then you don't understand. But when you talk about people who need a hand and need help, there's no money. They should just be able to take some responsibility and get themselves out of circumstances. But we look at farmers, but that, no, that's, um, that's different. It's not different. Welfare is welfare. And if the government's there to help you, then the government's there to help all people, not a certain class of people. They're there to help and support people. And you might be thinking to yourself, dude, I didn't know you were a socialist. Um, let, let me, let me hip you to this idea real quick is that if you really want to fix this country and you really want things to get better, um, a well-educated and well, uh, paid workforce is how to do it. Uh, one is not in fear of going bankrupt, uh, because they have a, medical crisis when i had my uh, kidney cancer back in 2009 um i had my surgery and i had to stay for a couple of days it was only three or four days but it was like forty five thousand dollars for four it was four days four days in the hospital 10 grand a day um a little over 10 grand a day and if you don't understand how that will wipe out a family savings, and it was just four days. Imagine people who who have, uh, you know, really persistent cancer and they need treatment and stuff like that, and they've got to stay for days on end and stuff, and they rack up two hundred, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, medical debt, and they're done. They lose their house, they lose their cars, um, their jobs have dropped them, their insurance have dropped them. Um, and, and, and after the, their family members have passed and there's funeral arrangements to make and they're doing this and stuff. And then, you know, so you're like, well, what? This is the underlying stuff that goes back to why we have a drug problem, why we have a crime problem, an epidemic. What are people trying to escape? They're trying to escape this stuff. So if we're not really building towards taking care of our people, then we're really failing to address the real issues that are going on that lead to these other problems. 
and you're absolutely right if you're thinking to yourself, well, Jermaine, I don't care. There's some people out there, I don't care what you gave them. You give them everything. And it still wouldn't be enough. I think Anthony Bar- uh, Bardane, the, uh, uh, the the cook who did, uh, committed suicide, you're absolutely right. You can appear to have everything and have nothing. Uh, that's why mental health, health and wellness is such a big issue. And those are other underlying issues, things that we need to take care of. You know, I, I see things on social media. Check on your strong friends. Check on all your friends. Um, if you don't do anything that I've, I've asked you to do in the past podcast or in future podcasts, uh, make sure you check on your friends every day if you can. Uh, a text here, a shout out on social media, uh, in passing a hug uh, before you leave and stuff. And a quick I love you uh, mean the world. And you just don't understand the people that you can touch. Because there are a lot of people out there who are down on themselves and are trying to find their way. Which kind of works and segues into uh, my last bit for the podcast. And that is for uh, my young men out there. Uh, particularly my, uh, I don't know, I need to put an age range on it, but our young men who are like 15 to to 25, there's that 10 year gap in there. Uh, I listened to another podcast, um, uh, Gary Owen, not Owens, as he likes to point out, uh, the get some podcast. Uh, he's a comedian. Uh, if you've never seen any movies with Gary in it, uh, go support Gary. Uh, he's got a YouTube page, uh, YouTube backslash Gary Owens, um, comedy. I believe it is. Go check him out. Um, one of the things that he says that I agree with is that uh, for men, 25, if you can make it to 25, yeah, you, you'll be all right. There's a lot of confusion in, in for, for guys under that age and stuff. And so as I profess uh, my love for leadership and mentorship and life coaching and stuff, um, I'm going to dedicate this last part of the podcast to these guys and um, – I'm, I'm probably going to do some more in the future, uh, directly aimed and um, more um, goal-oriented, step-by-step uh, things that you can do for success. Um, but that group, that group of guys, I, I, I want them to know that um, there there are people out there who are rooting for them, and we, we all should be rooting for them. Um, like I say, there's a lot of things out there, um, regardless of race, but that are, are creeping in to make these epidemics and stuff. And they're really affecting our youth. And, um, you know, I'm no Quincy Jones, but the, you know, the children are our future and, uh, and somebody, uh, has to speak up for them and has to be that voice for them and that they can listen to and know that uh, what they're going through is not unique. They're not the first people to go through it, um, that the confusion that they feel and sort of the um, uh, being directionless, not knowing how to achieve their goals, uh, especially in this day and age when you can look on the Internet and see people who are flashing and flashing chains and doing this, and they seem to have it all. But, you know, a, a, a lot of that is just fiction. And when you talk about fiction and stuff, one, one of 
uh, one of the better fictional characters uh, I always liked was uh, was Rocky, um, because boxing being a metaphor for life, um, he was a great character. In fact, it wasn't just in the ring where he was inspirational. He also had some inspirational words. You know, living with you, it hasn't been easy. People see me, but they think of you. Now with all this going on, this is going to be worse than ever. It don't have to be. No, sure it does. Why? You got a lot going on, kid. Oh, what, my last name? That's the reason I got a decent job. That's the reason why people deal with me in the first place. Now I start to get a little ahead. I start to get a little something for myself, and this happens. Now I'm asking you as a favor not to go through with this, okay? This is only going to end up bad for you, and it's going to end up bad for me. You think I'm hurting you? Yeah, in a way you are. It's the last thing I ever wanted to do. I know that's not what you want to do, but that's just the way that it is. Don't you care what people think? Doesn't it bother you that, that people are making you out to be a joke and that I'm going to be included in that? Do you think that's right? Do you? You ain't going to believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching. Every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. So to my my young brothers out there, you are better than that. A lot of you, I hear you. I hear you what you're complaining about, and I'm telling you that you are better than that. I know that some of you don't have the in-house role models that you need, and I'll be honest with you. I grew up with my father in my house. Uh, he passed away when I was 21, right before or right after, I should say, I joined the military. The last time I saw my father, he drove me to the MEP station so I could go get on an airplane and go to the Air Force. I didn't see him after then. It was the last time I saw him. And it was at a time in my life when I really, really needed him. And I know a lot of you brothers go out there and you really, really need somebody. And I'm telling you that I'm here for you. There are a lot of guys out there here for you. And you may not see us because, quite honestly, we're working. Quite honestly, we're doing the business that needs to be done. 
because we stopped pointing fingers a long time ago and we stopped making excuses for why we couldn't achieve and what was holding us back. You know, when I talk about the inequality that goes on, everything, you know, one of the people say that life just isn't fair. Well, it isn't. It isn't fair. And it will knock you to your knees. And for those men out there, those young boys out there who are looking for what it is and what manhood really is, it's about how you wipe the dirt off your face and get back on your feet. You can do it because you're better than that. You're not a coward. You're not going to use these excuses. And, and, and they're not really excuses. Not really. Your dad wasn't there. That's not an excuse. He wasn't there. Grew up poor. It's not an excuse. It happened. You were poor. But you can't let it hold you back. Because right now, until we start this movement, until we get that change, it's your reality. And the only thing you can do is deal with the reality. So that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to look yourself in the mirror, to make the commitment that no matter how many times you get knocked down, you'll stand up one more time than that. That you won't make excuses, that you'll take responsibility for the things and your actions. You know, I've talked about this before on the podcast where I think part of the problem that we have with some of our young men is the single parent homes where we have single mothers raising our boys and not because women can't teach you, but you just don't want to listen. Not only do you not want to listen and take advice uh, from your mom, your perception of how things are are thrown off because you are with that strong woman, that strong woman who you saw making her own, doing these things. And a lot of you look at that and go, man, that's what women are supposed to do. And I'm telling you, that's part of what your problem is, is that your mom's not your dad. Because if your dad had been there, he wouldn't let you play video games all day. He wouldn't let you eat off all this food without you contributing to the household and stuff. You watch a strong woman and you go out here. This is why these women are complaining about these young men is because they're sitting there and they're moving from one couch to another couch. Moving from your mama's house to your girlfriend's house. You don't have to accept that. That does not have to be your lot in life. You can achieve. Manhood is a journey. At 42 years old, years old, I am still on that journey. I invite you to get up off the couch and join me. For you to say, well, I don't have somebody. You know, a lot of manhood is brotherhood. And what you really need is to reevaluate who your friends are or get you some better friends and get around those people who are trying to do positive things in their lives and emulating them. There's a lot of good stuff out there. One of the things that I hope to keep promoting with this podcast and uh, eventually my my long-term goal is to have my own brokerage uh, for real estate. Um, The book I'm reading um uh, I'm I'm trying to uh trying to incorporate that the millionaire real estate agent by Gary Keller. Um real estate is one of those things that you can get into because a lot of you are like, well, I mean, I just don't know what to do. 
Well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you where uh, some money is, and it, it's in real estate. You know what you have to be a re- have to be to be a real estate agent in North Carolina. You got to be over 18 because you got to be legally able to sign a contract and have good character. You don't need any kind of education. So if you didn't make it in high school, but you had some street smarts, you can do real estate. Uh, I eventually hope to uh, do a community project where I help young men get their license and uh, bring them on as agents and mentor to them. And uh, because they're all kind of, it's not just, um, uh, it's not just residential, there's commercial, and there's all kind of elements to real estate, whether it's real estate law or property management, uh, the list goes on and on uh, of what you can get into. But uh, giving out that proper foundation, I, I think that a lot of you would benefit from that. And I think that there's a moment for you to succeed and achieve all the things that you want to do and build your foundation. And there's going to be some knocks along the way. Uh, I know that when I took my class, one of the first things they told us is, hey, look, state pass rate is only like 60%. There are a lot of you who are going to pay money today and you're not going to get anything out of this. Unless you try really, really hard. And there's some people, even when they try, they, they stood up in class first day and said, hey, this is my second, my third. I heard somebody the fourth time trying to take the class, trying to pass. But you know the thing about that person? They didn't quit. They did not give up. And that's all I'm saying. You know, uh, you want to listen to your favorite celebrities and stuff. And I'm, I'm not your most popular guy, but I'm going to tell you the truth right now. Whether it's Will Smith, Gary Vee, or whoever you listen to that's inspirational out there and stuff, one of the things they will tell you that the key to success is is your grit and grind. You know, as Will Smith once said, you know, I'm not afraid to die on the treadmill. And this whole big thing was if we get on a treadmill together, two things are going to happen. You're getting off first or I'm going to die because I'm not getting off. Having that belief in yourself before anybody else believes in you. If you want to know how these millionaires are made, if you want to know what the successful thing about these people is is that grit and grind and the positive mental attitude that i can succeed i know a lot of you guys out there are suffering from depression um some of you don't even recognize it's not diagnosed depression uh but you are you're depressed and and that's what that you're in that 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 cloud and stuff and it's heavy on you and stuff and i'm telling you you can break through that cloud you've got that power it's within you You are young kings, and you deserve your crowns. All you got to do is work for it. Nobody's going to crown you until you understand the royalty that runs in your blood. So pick yourself up, look yourself in the mirror, and understand that you can achieve these things. It's just going to be a lot of determination on your part. And so what if the odds are stacked against you? That's why I like Rocky. You know, even though he's a fictional character, like I say, you know, he has some words of inspiration. And his whole journey, as well as your journey, will be inspirational. There's going to be some mountains. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to climb. And that's just what it is. They're in your way. But it doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means that you're going to have to work a little harder. And I'll be honest with you. On this journey of manhood, 
in this invitation when you join this brotherhood the things that you appreciate the most at the end of the day are the things that you had to work the most to get think about it pray on it check on your strong friends hey this is uh this has been another great episode again check out the uh the website www.themainevent.podcast.com uh, uh subscribe like share the podcast uh again to my people in Maine who are checking out the podcast I love you send me a message I wonder who you are um uh, I usually have a high haters, but uh, we're going to go by haters because we out of here. Enjoy.